to Say Less, Say Yes. Here you're going to learn about self-love and boundaries. I am Lauren Holgren and I am the face of Say Less, Say Yes. Along the way, you'll resonate with my experiences as I share with you about the pain and discomfort that comes from not loving yourself. Here, we will discuss a multitude of ways for you to love yourself and grow into who God has called you to be. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Say Less, Say Yes. I could not be happier to be here with you guys today. I can tell you that there is something happening in my life. There is manifestation. There is anointing. The Holy Spirit is walking with me and I am here to help somebody today. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Today's topic is self-sabotage. And when you think of self-sabotage, a lot of us don't really understand what goes into self-sabotage. And what I'm talking about is let's let's define self-sabotage. When people do or do not do things that prevent success or accomplishing your goals. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about what the signs of it are and how to combat self-sabotage. Because you guys, I lived in this this self-sabotage life for years. And Still some to this day, like I don't think we ever fully outgrow self-sabotage. I think it is something you have to become highly aware of and I don't want to give too much of it away. So we're going to jump in. The seven signs of self-sabotage. Do you ever feel like you can't make anything work? Like network marketing is something that's huge right now. It's also something that I can relate to. So network marketing is something that's huge. You've taken a risk. You You got with the company that said they had your back, they're gonna help you promote, and you end up scared, vulnerable, and you just don't, you're not feeling validated. Are you getting into your way, like in your own way? Self-sabotage affects your relationships, your finances, your health, and your career. I bet y'all didn't know that. So the first sign is that you're too hard on yourself. You're too critical, right? We are our worst critics and it has gotten to the point where it is beyond toxic that we do things because perfectionism has become more and more of a acceptable norm, if you will. And I hate to tell you, but perfectionism is never something that can be met, you guys. And I've already elaborated on this in my previous episodes because Hello, I can relate. Perfectionism was a way for me to be, have some kind of self-esteem and self-worth in order for someone to like me. Um, Something else you might tell yourself when you're too critical is that it's not good enough. It's not pretty enough. It's not perfect enough. It's not enough and neither are you. And that is a lie. That is a lie. Number two, point out the negative. You guys, our brains are trained to find the negative. They are trained to, that's the easiest thing to do, is look for the negative, not seeking the positive. If it was easy to seek the positive, everybody in this world would be the most positive person and we would probably not have as much uh, fluff in the feathers as we do in, in this point in time. Finding all the red flags all the flaws. And I'm not saying red flags aren't bad. I'm just saying that we don't have to like elaborate and go into that 
whole of um, a rant, if you will. Pessimistic. And actually, it's been shown that you're more likely to die from heart disease if you are somebody who views the negative. And obviously, that makes for a terrible quality of life. If you're over here waiting for the other shoe to drop, if you're over here like, oh, well, it's only a matter of time if I have a heart attack. Like, I've eaten these french fries every single day, every single Friday of the year for the last 10 years or whatever it is, you know. I drink, I smoke, I'm 115. Okay, but what is your quality of life? Like, and I'm using these because these are examples in my family, but what is your quality of life if you're smoking and drinking every single day? I mean, okay, you're 115, I'll give you that, but what quality of life do you have? Do you love your life? Do you, you know, live in pain every single day? Because I don't want to be that person that lives in pain every single day. I know that people are like, I don't want to live to be this old. Okay, I do. I want to live to be that old. I want to have this longevity and the best quality of life that I can possibly give myself and my family to enjoy the entire time that I am here on this earth. Number three is procrastination. Ah, I have a feeling so many people can relate to this. Procrastination. So waiting until the 11th hour is not always a good thing. For those of you who say, I'm so good at being a procrastinator. I wait till the 11th hour to write my seven page paper, 11 page paper. I do better under pressure, this, this, and this. I was, I was you. I've been there. I've been in college. I played the game multiple times. And I would say the same thing, you know? I'm really good. I'm just better under pressure, so I'm just going to put it off. When in reality, it's a bleh feeling, right? Um, you're more prone to higher levels of stress, anxiety, which often leads to depression. Now, I am not a behavior specialist. I am not a therapist. I'm not any of that. I'm just telling you the facts that I've been given. And... When you procrastinate, it is an overwhelming feeling and you have higher levels of stress and anxiety, which often lead to depression. Number four, you're disorganized. So let me just say chaos, okay? Out of control, late, missing deadlines, you're all over the place and you have lower levels of self-esteem and it can often lead to emotional emotional eating and depression. And when you get low self-esteem, you end up having stress of some sort. Which, you guys, there's good stress and bad stress. But too much bad stress raises those cortisol levels in your body. And what does that do? That gives you high blood sugar and inflammation. A little story on disorganized, you guys. I do not know what it is. Like I said, I'm a perfect, was, I'm working on it, but I'm still, to a point, a perfectionist. Um, I'm getting better, that's the point. But when I was younger, my sister would have a chaos room. I mean, mine was spick and span, everything was put in its place, whatever, and Lindsay was like all over the place. I mean, I don't know how she found anything at all and our brains function differently but holy cow and when she I say when she grew up as she got older 
Um, she has definitely done a lot better and her room's clean the majority of the time. Not that I care what her room looks like now, but growing up, I'm like, hey girl, you need to get that in control because I don't even know how you find a pin in that mess. Like, yeah, but we all have our little things and growing up, you know, um, I feel like it was probably a way for my sister to regulate herself and a place for her to be herself. So like if she felt disorganized and chaotic, that she could express that out into her room instead of through her emotions, if you will. So number five is self-doubt uh, for signs of self-sabotage. So this is kind of crazy. And I did not do too much research on it, but I just, because I didn't want to go down a rabbit hole today. I want to keep this very um, light and the seven signs of it and how we can prevent it and how we can become more aware of it. when we're self-sabotaging but self-doubt is number five and it says imposter syndrome and basically you feel that way because you don't reach out because you feel muted so that's like saying I'm not gonna say what I have to say I'm not willing to let my voice be heard because nobody cares like it's irrelevant and if you listened to my podcast previous to this your voice is just as important as anybody else in this room, right? Like everybody has a voice because it was meant to be heard, but it needs to not just be spoken to be heard. It needs to be spoken to be factual and informative, really. And remember, opinions are not facts. Neither are the stories that you're telling yourself. But um, another thing with self-doubt is that you don't stand ground for your boundaries, You just let people walk all over you because you feel muted. Exactly. You don't say anything because even if you're going to speak, you feel like it's wasted breath. So you're playing small. You feel like people just put up with you. Like you're an inconvenience or a burden. And I've been there in my lifetime too. I was actually a senior in high school when I felt that way. And... It was probably the one of the worst feelings. I've had a lot of bad feelings in my life, but it's a feeling that I will never forget. It is the feeling of not wanted. It's the feeling of muted. And no matter what you do for somebody, it's not good enough. And those are all signs of self-sabotage, obviously. But when you're living it, you don't necessarily know it. You just know you don't feel good. Number six is you overdo it. Wow, these are like all speaking to a past Lauren that I no longer recognize. So when you overdo it, it puts your mental health at risk and you're unable to finish and you overcommit. So you're constantly saying, hey, I'll do this, I'll do this. Yeah, I can take this on. And then they come back by and you're let there go. They come back by and you're like, they come back by and ask you, hey, do you think you can do this too? And you're like, another thing? In your brain, right? But you're not going to speak up because they don't hear you. They don't see you. And they don't know that you have something else that you need to do for somebody else. But if you're not speaking that, if you're not voicing that, they can't read your mind. They have to listen to your voice. And if you say, hey, I would love to, but at this point in time, I'm not able to take that on because I have promised other people that I would help them with things. And those have deadlines that are more immediate than this. And I've also already committed to them if it is, even if the deadline isn't 
being pushed back compared to these other people, you still promised them that you would help them or you would do something for them. And you need to stick to your word because in my mind, your word is all that you have. Like money, whatever, okay, like money is spent always. It doesn't matter how much you're making. Money is always spent on something. And the value of your friendship depends on your word. So don't overdo it, don't overcommit. Number seven, the last and final one for signs of self-sabotage is you're burnt out. And I know so many people are dealing with this. They're living in exhaustion, they're stressed, exhausted. You know, it hurts your finances, your health, and your relationships. You guys, you get headaches, indigestion, stomach pains. This is all real and this is, these are the signs that we need to listen to when our body's like, hey, red flag waving the white flag like red flag because there are signs something is not working your check engine light is on and white flag because hey i can't keep going if we keep going we're gonna break we're gonna find a new rock bottom and you're gonna have to learn how to make time for yourself and stop stop self-sabotaging or we're just gonna keep going downhill and find new rock bottoms so now you might be asking okay lauren now that we know the seven signs of self-sabotage you're probably asking me what is, what causes self-sabotage? Like, why do we do it? It's funny that you should ask that because low self-esteem, negative self-talk, relating to negative emotions. And it's not bad to relate to negative emotions, but when you take on somebody else's emotions or like the negative part of it and you make it your, basically you make it your own problem, that's when it becomes an issue. You focus on everybody else's negative things and you hold on to those negative emotions. If you're a vibe person, I'm a vibe person. If you're a vibe person, people can easily dampen your vibe. And if it's not like serving you or your boundaries, whoop, walk away if you don't like it. That's all you have to do. You don't even have to give notice. Self-sabotage often serves as a coping mechanism. It is used with stressful situations and post-traumas which only limit your ability to success and move forward and heal in a healthy way. That is what the goal is, you guys. The goal is to move forward, but you can't move forward by shoving everything down your throat thinking you're never going to have to deal with it again. You're going to have to figure out how to stop self-sabotaging. And lucky for you, I'm here to tell you. So there's five ways. One is to recognize the behavior. So be aware, you guys. Again, that authentic awareness. Know what you're really, truly doing with your behaviors. Because sometimes we're on autopilot. There's a certain percentage of the time that we are on autopilot. Like, have you ever driven somewhere, driven from home to the grocery store, and you're like on autopilot? Or driven from home to work or work to home, and all of a sudden it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm home. I don't even remember going around those curves or doing anything and I wasn't even on my phone. You have to realize which ones are stopping you from achieving your goals. Then you have to realize what bad habits you have and it may be painful, but they actually reveal underlying truths, AKA not the story you're telling yourself, the story that really happened and that you really need to dive in and do a little soul searching and fix it. Once you sit and experience it, guys, it could take 10 minutes. It could take a few days. It could take a couple months. But you need to sit with it so you're not carrying it with you because hurt people hurt people. 
and we don't want to hurt any more people than we have to. So you ask, God, why am I not in a relationship? Why am I not married yet? Why am I not? Why am I not? Why am I not? And it's because you're not doing your part. You're not doing your part in being that person that you need to be. You're not working on yourself for your future person. Because you have to be in a certain place when you meet your future person. Two, understand your emotions. Often this is anxious, anger, and worthlessness. Manage and regulate your emotions to avoid reacting versus responding. There's a difference. Number three, confront your negative thoughts. You have to be, again, consciously aware of what's happening. Most often this is anxiety and self-esteem are often triggered by unhelpful, irrational thoughts. So when you start going down a rabbit hole, you're like, hey, whoa, 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 what's happening? I was feeling good. I was vibing and then I read something. Or I, I can't even remember what triggered me. But now I'm like, eh. And I'm in a funk and I do not feel good. I don't feel like doing diddly squat. Then tell it to, hey, turn the dial down over here because I'm not listening to this. And you turn around and you go the other direction because you're back going back to, back to the positive land. That's where you're going. You're not going to listen to any more of those negative things because that is a lie. And that's what the devil wants you to believe. Because when God has something for you, when there's a resistance, you guys, that means you're literally just on the other side of a breakthrough. And it may not be a big breakthrough to you, but growth is growth, y'all. Take the win. The next thing that you need to do is thought dump and figure out what the real facts are, not the story you're telling yourself. You need to sit with it, like I said. Number four, make a change. Being self-aware allows you to realign your thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. You're going to need affirmations and cognitive reconstructing in order to make the change, to be the change. You're going to have to work that discipline muscle. Last but not least, number five, self-supporting behaviors, you guys. A confident mindset. And it's not something that happens overnight. You have to work confidence into your skill set. If you don't want to do it, you need to do it anyways. If it, if it is going to help you, you need to do it. And you guys, one of the biggest things that I found that was the hardest thing for me to do is I looked in the mirror. I remember being that girl who had nothing, who felt literally robbed from the inside out, knowing possessions were never something that I could take with me. I remember the hopelessness and the pain and being so uncomfortable but in so much pain that it was paralyzing. And I decided that that wasn't going to be me anymore. I decided that I was going to be confident and have positive self-talk. And how I did that was I looked in the mirror. I remember day in and day out looking at the mirror into my own eyes and saying, You are worthy. You are are blessed you are beautiful you are strong you are independent you are worthy you are knowledgeable you guys there were so many things that i was telling myself and i couldn't even keep in the mirror i could not even look at myself when i was saying these in the beginning i had tears streaming down my face because I didn't believe it. 
because I wanted so badly to be wanted. I wanted so badly to be loved and cherished and appreciated and understood and heard and seen. I wanted to be all of these things, but I could never see that happening. But eventually, I could look at myself. I'd still cry, but I could look at myself. And eventually I started believing that I am worthy of more. I am worthy more than being with somebody who doesn't respect my boundaries. I am worth more than being with somebody who's gonna go out and entertain another woman to the point that I have to compete when we're in a relationship. I am more worthy than someone who doesn't listen to my boundaries and someone who's constantly making me feel like the bad guy because I have boundaries in place to protect me. Once you've done those things, having the confident mindset, working towards the confident mindset, positive self-talk, once you have done those, you can get out of your own way and accomplish anything you put your mind to. You guys, we gotta get out of our own way. We have been called for so much more. And I'm not saying the brokenness doesn't suck and you don't know where to start. I did just give you some tips though. But becoming aware of it is really where it's at. And knowing and understanding that things are gonna happen in your favor because what God has for you is already for you. You just have to ask for it. And he doesn't answer it in your in your time frame. It's God's timing. But would you really have it any other way? And some of you, before you answer, some of you are like, yes, 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 I would rather have it. You know, I said that too. And when I started finding God again, when I really, when my husband and I were engaged the first time, I found God so hard that I will never be the same person that I was. I found God so hard that I will never be that girl again. I'm not saying that I won't have trials. I'm not saying that it won't hurt, that I'm not going to cry. I'm saying that I am today. Looking back at that girl, I feel for her because I understand. Well, because I was her, right? Like I was her. I understand where she was coming from. I understand how she felt, the connection. Like, I get it. I get the loneliness, the un being unwanted, the I'm not good enough. Like, you just proved it. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Because I did think that when our engagement ended the first time. The second time, ended in marriage. Just so y'all know, there's not like five, ten times. But... God had it that way for a reason. He said, you need to get your shit together and you both need to stop being so damn selfish, first of all. But second of all, you need, you need to fix yourself. You need to work on yourself before this happens. And I just remember being that girl, literally screaming into my pillow, 
crying. I was so mad at God. I just was saying, God, I don't know why you would do this to me. Why can't you just fix it? Why can't you make the pain go away? God, I said I was sorry. All of this stuff. And I truly meant it in that time. And, you know, I was bartering with God, though. God, if you do this, I swear I'll never, you know, I'll go to church every Sunday. I won't miss a Sunday. I won't, you know. And that's not true. None of us can predict what's going to happen. It's not true. I mean, who could have predicted COVID, right? You can't barter with the big man. That's not how it works. But boy, if you don't figure out how to fix it and work on yourself, he is going to show you how. So you guys, I want you to know you're not alone. I want you to know that it does hurt and it does suck for a little bit. But you get to decide how long it sucks. You get to decide when you start being 1% better. And I know some of y'all are in a real fragile place right now because I was where I couldn't do anything right. And I don't know why I decided to be a waitress at that point in time in my life. That, I'm pretty sure, just hardened me. Get out of your own way. Get out of your ego. Get out of your own way. And go and be the best you that you can be. Be the person that you want to be. And that's all for this episode of Say Less, Say Yes. I am here to talk about authenticity, self-love, and boundaries. I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. Like, subscribe, and share with a friend right now. You never know who on the inside is needing self-love and to set boundaries. You need boundaries. We all have different boundaries, all to different extents. See you for the next episode here at Say Less, Say Yes.